0: All right, guys. Well, this was a big one for me. Tony Horton, the creator and host of the P90X workout program is my guest today. This program sold over 11 million copies and changed people's lives around the world, including my own. It was the first time I got serious about diet and fitness. And while I was doing it, I was in the best shape of my life. Tony has some updates to share about the new stuff he's been working on. And he also shares some insight and background of his own life, how he drove across the country with dreams of going to LA, but he ran out of gas in Boulder, Colorado. Then he later did stand-up comedy. He became a celebrity trainer for Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, and Sean Connery. Some great stories. All this and more coming right up.
1: Chuck, what's oh, happening? Bravo!
0: This is cool. This is really sur- check this out. I got the old school.
1: No. Oh. Look at those P90X, blood, sweat, and tears. Oh.
0: Even the uh, the meal guide, all the stuff. So.
1: Oh, those were the days, my friend.
0: Yeah, thank. You. I just want to say thank you. I know this is about you, but I real quick, my story was just that I was unemployed, single, and out of shape. I did started P ninety X. I lost twenty five pounds, got a girlfriend, and got a job. I'm still with the same girlfriend. So thank you. Boom.
1: Interview over. Let me drop. <laughs>
0: Have you heard a lot of those kinds of stories? Like, what, what's like one of the most jaw-dropping P90X story that you've heard?
1: Well, you know, there's uh, I talk about him a lot. Jeremy Yoast lost 180 pounds. You know, he was uh, obese, bigger than big, and um, he had a fused right ankle from a high school football injury. And he just got bigger and bigger. And one of his best pals said, "Hey, you know, you you're gonna be okay with somebody else walking your daughter down the aisle because you're not gonna live." You know what I mean? And so he just said, he made two lists. He made the why and why not lists on, on whether the do P90X or not. And the why list was just infinitely longer, obviously. I mean, it would be for anybody. And um, and he just lost 180 pounds. And he went on tour with me, you know, military tours with the with the Pentagon. And he went on QVC with me. And, you know, his life completely opened up. And he's, you know, he's got more energy than 10 men now, whereas he could barely move his ass when he started so you know i mean i mean dude still i mean p90x is ancient really now i mean we have new programs this is one of them and um i'm not with beach bite anymore it was a great run um but they didn't want to pay me anymore so i said bye bye and yeah uh, you still get the royalty though right still do but they don't advertise any of my stuff anymore you know royalty is you know not not a lot of money but it's something that puts gas in the car you know that kind of thing but, yeah um, so tell me
0: about the new there's something uh, new that's dropping in september right
1: power sync 60 so dr mindy pell have we started by the way official? Oh yeah, this is
0: it this is the interview
1: <laughs> yeah good good there's You're no printing, great there's no sound checks just you and me man going i think it's um, good i i you know life is filled with all kinds of kismet and serendipity and whatnot and one of the people that i ran into along the way was dr mindy pell's and She's wrote a book, very, very popular book right now, called "Fast Like a Girl." You know, a lot of her f- strategy and and research and stuff is based on fasting, you know, and so um she's a p nine a three time p ninety x user, and she loved it. But what she did based on her her knowledge of uh, the hormonal fluctuations of a woman um was that she changed the sequences and the and the root workouts based on her hormonal you know, her menstrual cycle and she had much better results than the average woman. Now, this is stuff I didn't know anything about. I always felt like, Hey, you know, gals, you got to work a little bit harder, a little bit longer because, you know, men have all the testosterone and women don't as much. And so it worked if you did that, but women had to work a lot harder, you know, doing P90X to get the results they wanted. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody's different. There's people with athletic backgrounds and have women that have higher testosterone levels and all those types of things. Um, you know they got results quicker than others, but her research was amazing. So we met and we decided, you know, let's make a program for not only um, uh, men and women, but really specifically focusing on women and their hormonal and their their hormonal fluctuations. So we shot it already, and and we're putting music to it now. And um, we've had two test groups go through it, and we we I spoke with this the uh, had a Zoom call like this. With the second test group, they they, they they were staggered, right? We wanted to see what the first one did and change certain things if we needed to. And just speaking with these women last night, it was just wild. One woman was 71 years old in tears saying, I've tried everything and my husband gives me so much crap because I keep doing these things and they don't work. And she, and, and now my husband's like, "What what is this thing you're doing? So, you know, we maybe we, we've hit a real P90X moment for women. With PowerSync 60, uh, we hope so. You know,
0: PowerSync 60, and it comes out in September,
1: September one.
0: Okay, and then tell me about the other thing you guys have. Uh, what is it called, Power Four? Because this this is interesting because it has not only the fitness supplementation and nutrition, but also a mindfulness component.
1: Did I hear yeah, that? Yeah, right? yeah. The mindfulness component was critical, and I never did a program with Beachbody that had that had mindfulness or meditation or breath work, whatever you want to call it, different forms of mindfulness. Meditation and breath work are similar, right? You're breathing, focusing on, you know, just your breath. Uh, and then a mindfulness thing is is different too. You know, there's, you know, walking your dog is mindfulness. Uh, you know, in the, being in the garden is mindfulness. Cranking Ze- Led Zeppelin too, if that turns you on, is mindfulness. Just anything that takes your, your mind off the day-to-day, you know. Um, and so, you know, when the pandemic struck, a lot of fans were sort of knocking on my door, um, figuratively. And, uh, Hey man, what do you, what do you got next? Cause we're bored. I can't go to the gym. I mean, I've done P90X 45 times. <laughs> what else do you got? And so we just started building workouts one at a time, you know, uh, just to give people something to do like, Oh, let's do a chest and back routine. Let's do a cardio routine. Let's do a martial arts routine. Let's do a whole bunch of yoga routines. Cause that seemed to be apropos for what people needed during the pandemic. And then we just started filming them, you know what I mean? On phones, and uh, So we could, they could sit out and they go, oh, we better build a platform for it. You know what I mean? And then, you know, the early ones we, you know, the sound sucked and the lighting wasn't great and, and half the cast were wearing masks. You know what I mean? So <laughs> fan, the fan base was like, yeah, thank you. And then a the, the third of the fan base, masks? What are you trying to suffocate? Oh, Jesus. You know, and then we went to the, <laughs> the typical, like, let me, hey, I'm a fan of yours, but I want to bust your balls for helping me. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Super. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, we just, people got vaccinated and we did, what we needed to do to feel safe in a room with other people who have different philosophies. And, and then we just started shooting them, you know, one after another, after another, after another. And, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of people doing them. We had like 2,400 people maybe. And, uh, we thought it was going to be sort of a temporary thing. And then we get back to normal business and, uh, but it stayed popular and we just, I, and I said, "Oh, let's bring my buddy Michael in. I don't want to be in all of them. Let's have let's give somebody else a shot." And so my friend Michael Bradley got in there, and Chelsea McKinney got in there, and Brian Palatucci, and Scott Morgan, and all these guys and gals that I knew that were that were great, that were skilled, that had different kinds of ways of getting people fit. You know, because I couldn't. You know, I mean, I shot from the beginning to end. We ended up using twenty four of the workouts. When you know, think about P ninety X, it only had twelve. But I was in like forty-five of them, you know, leading forty-five of them. So we cut out a lot of them that were seemed repetitive or weren't necessary. And I thought, let like I said, let's give other people a chance. So, you know, it, it's obviously fitness is a big component, you know, and diet and, and fitness are always huge. Um, um, and then there was the mindfulness component, and then the supplementation com- component because I, I got really sick in 2017. I met with a company that said, hey, look, you're you're suffering from sort of an accelerated form of Uh, something called sarcopenia, which is age-related muscle loss. I had Ramsey Hunt syndrome, which is shingles in your ear. Me and Justin Bieber. Yay. And, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that was crazy. I saw the ad on, and that's, I think, how I found you again, mm -hmm. was that I saw the ad. You were in a wheelchair. I was like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And then it turns out, it sounds like it was mostly stress-related. Because I was like, you're not a guy that should get sick because you eat so healthy and you work
1: out. Well, anybody can get sick from anything. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm but stress is a bitch and and uh, I didn't realize I was under as much physical and emotional uh pressure, mental and emotional and physical pressure as I was. I was just trying to live my life and you know like anybody who's successful uh you know they're always trying to keep on keeping on with the with the latest and the greatest and meeting with more people and trying those things and and you know uh f- twenty three failed businesses later I decided that you know I didn't really decide anything. Ramsey Hunt decided for me uh, on on having to slow down you know what I mean and stop trying to conquer the world um and uh yeah, so um i couldn't my my vision was crap my taste of smell was gone my uh my my what my taste of smell my sense <laughs> of smell yeah my sense of taste all those things. And my balance, which was the number one thing, my balance was was completely gone, and so yeah, um, I had to do a lot of rehab. I lost twenty five pounds. I had to go to the you know hospital. I was in the, I wasn't really in intensive care, but I was you know deathly deathly ill based on what I was going through, and so that's what that photo was from when I was you know coming out of uh, getting a, a MRI, and um, and yeah, I was in rough shape. So you know, I had to start meditating, and I started doing breath work, and I read John uh, John Cabot Zinn's book, um, "Full Catastrophic Living," which was a big deal for me. Really helped me kind of slow down and take deeper breaths, and not be so attached to the outcome, and just kind of go with the flow. And still worked hard, still had good d- discipline with with life, but I just needed that. You know, my the the thing, beach body was not rehiring me based on what I thought I needed. And that was a blow. And then Tom Petty passed away, who I'd known for 32 years. And I had friends that were at the Vegas shooting and all that was happening within a week, you know. And then, of course, I got this tingling in my ear. What's going on? And I had these open sores in my ear, man. Went, it just destroyed all these nerves that go into my brain that control sight and smell and taste and balance. Bummer. And it took a it took a year to be normalish, and I'll never be completely normal again. Anybody who gets this will has some form of damage to their nerves, as do I now. But you know, you keep on breathing, you keep on getting up, you keep on working hard. I got plyo tonight, which is the last thing on earth I want to do. But without it, I don't know. My you think
0: your your work ethic is kind of is that like an innate thing? It seems like sounds like it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you were able to work so hard. And I heard these stories, you working all these different jobs and doing miming and acting and comedian. And then it took you 20 years to build this thing. And then you just want to keep going. Like you, you can't like, which is kind of like hard for you, people like you to relax. Am I wrong?
1: Oh, I no. you know. You know, no. I'm a contradiction in terms, man. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a lazy son of a God, man. I love what? just effing off. Oh my really? God. Yeah. yeah. I have two gears. I have six gear and zero gear. You know what I mean? I okay. do. I, I I mean, in Jackson Hole. I mean, today, for example, because I've been, I we were in, we were in Italy and uh, France and um, and and England, you know, in Paris and London and Rome, and uh, running around and getting on bike tours and you know, four and a half hour bike tour on the Appian Way, but you know, the next morning I slept until ten thirty. You, you know what I mean? It's not like it's a every morning at six o'clock. I did that crap when I was young. And I hated it then, just training and driving all over town, training celebrities, getting up at the crack of dawn and going till nine o'clock at night, living on power bars. I mean, I I was I was always in survival mode and I kind of still am. It's just that the stakes are higher and there's more money involved and all that kind of thing. But I'm still in survival mode today. I I slept till 930. Yeah, because I didn't have anything scheduled. And I went, don't get me up. You know, my wife got up early and fed the dogs and, you know, we rotate back and forth on that. So. That kind of works for me, you know. I mean, like when I'm on the go and I have a lot going on and I'm I'm flying all over the place, if I'm in North Dakota or or I'm in Japan or Korea, wherever I am, you know, you turn up the volume. But I'm really good at turning it off too when I don't have things Hmm. scheduled. I'm really good. Well, then
0: why is it survival mode? Because I mean, haven't you you could retire right off? Just ever. I mean, I feel like if you just quit after P90X, you've helped so many 11 million people, but you know, sold that. And you've just helped so many people. That would have been enough. What, what makes you keep wanting to keep going?
1: Mortgages. Mortgages. <laughs> Mortgages. Yeah. Yeah. Like this house that I'm in. Uh, you know, I mean, people look at this house and think I'm a f- freaking billionaire. It's just that, you know, like every if it wasn't for the, pe- the beach body royalties, if it wasn't for the power life royalties, if it wasn't for the, you know, the tonal of royalties if it wasn't for you know like all that stuff i mean i would be living hand to mouth and eating mac and cheese plus we have another place in jackson hole you know i just i just dug deep i like nice things you know i mean if i'm going to work this hard and travel all over the place you know i i you know i might have overextended myself to a certain degree but but i'm I'm not willing to downsize, man. I'm not willing to do it. That's
0: so. what I was gonna say. So what I mean, you if worse came to worse, you could downsize. You're not gonna be living I on the, could.
1: Oh yeah. my god, I could sell you the place in Jackson Hole it. and and yeah. get a smaller place here and I'm done. I could do anything and go anywhere. But but you know, I just bought all new doors and windows in this house instead. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm gonna redo my pool uh next. I'm going to also
0: isn't part of it. You, you love the game. You love to keep, you want to keep stay. Yeah, man, keep I do. I love,
1: you. I love the, the battle, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and, but I'm not as freaked out or stressed out about it as I used to be, which is the reason why I got Ramsey hunt syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have the, the pendulum swings in both directions. You know, the power of four is a perfect example of how I live my life. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to work out almost every day. I'm going to eat really clean clean food most of the time. I'm going to take my supplements like, like religion, you know, I mean, that's what I'm drinking right right now um, because I know what's in there and I know why it was made for me and for other people who struggle like I do with certain things. And so you make sure you consume that twice a day. And, and then the mindfulness thing is, is a, is a, I was told by a friend of mine um, who's really, you know, has her own mindfulness practice uh, here in Santa Monica um, that I'm a, I'm a crisis meditator. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being called that. I mean, that means it's it's readily available at any time based on what's what kind of energy is in the room or what kind of energy that I'm creating or not creating. And so, you know, four by four breathing, five by five, 12 by 12, whatever it is, just, a, you know, body scan meditation. You know, and I could do it while I'm laying in bed. I did it this morning when I got up, before I got up. I did it in bed before I, which helped me go to sleep last night. You know, I don't, I meditate less than I do uh breath work more now that seems to work for me because there's no sort of spiritual connotations to it it's just a science of you know taking certain breaths oxygen in carbon dioxide out you know what i mean holding a lot of breath hold work too i do a lot of that you know what i mean yeah and i do and it while i do yoga and i do it while i do it after like after plyo we do breath work we'll do it tonight
0: yeah so besides the the breathing and the exercise stuff i mean you also say things like cranking uh led zeppelin or you know music going for a walk and just getting there's other things that you can do to take your mind off it right
1: and for me it's not living for others anymore and i mean you know i was always you know like typically in an interview i would have had my hair done better but i don't care anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's good it looks it is what it is you put a hat on man you know what i'm saying um no offense to you. I mean, I should maybe I should glammed <laughs> up for you, Chuck. Uh, you look fine. You know what I mean. It's the content. It's the, yeah. it's the delivery. It's the rhetoric. It's the boom. It's not you know whether Tony combed his hair or not. Whether people want to watch this conversation you and I are having. You know, what I, mean? Right. I mean, I've been in this business for thirty-five years. I just turned sixty-five. I don't you know I don't know what 65 is supposed to look or feel like, but I, but I, I feel amazing, and and I, you know, and I feel like I can take on anything. Because I've got that formula, you know, that power of four formula. I mean, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Um, Isn't that what it's more about now? You said that when you were younger, it was 80% what you look like, 20% how you feel. And now it's flipped. It's 80% about, you know, being, feeling good and 20% what you look like.
1: Probably 90-10 really now.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I like, I like as a 65 year old but my skin is crap you know what i mean and my you know i got wrinkles and you know and whatever um but i mean i can go through a ninja course like like a like a bunny rabbit you know what i mean and i could climb a 25 foot rope upside down and do pull-ups at the top you you know i mean there's things that i can physically do that are really fun to be able to do i can ski as fast and as hard on steep and scary stuff as i ever have in my life you know what i mean I mean I went mountain biking with my wife in Jackson Hole a couple of days ago and we you know 10 miles in 10 miles out just crank it you know what I mean out of the seat and going up that hill like it's Tour de France time you know um and, and and the reason why I do it is because hey look uh we want to do a bike tour of Paris yeah instead of getting in a car or getting in a bus with a bunch of people and you know what I mean? Let's make it, mm-hmm. let's do the a more interesting way. Let's, let's get on top of it. You know, same thing, the Appian way. Oh, here are the, this is, why are these stones worn out? It's because this is where Caesar was. You know what I mean? Like we're on our bike and uh, they go oh, on the same cobblestones. <laughs> the Caesar. Like yeah. I not they come up with a flatter road back then. <laughs> um, That's you what know I mean. Man. So you're like, you're really getting to see the planet. And, you know, I mean, I've been to Japan twice I've thrown up in a F-17, F F-15C. I've thrown up in a Thunderbird. I've jumped out of wow. a Chinook at 16,000 feet with the Golden Knights. You know what I mean? If I was out of shape and overweight, I wouldn't have had any of those experiences. So, you know, and I'm invited to these places because everybody around me, no matter where I am, have done some version of P90X or maybe the new program or Tonal that I'm on now. I mean, I was a, I was in Cedar City, Utah just the other day coming back from Jackson Hole I get out of my car. I mean, literally out of the car with my wife and this eye surgeon pops out of his seat and tells me how much I helped his career on the tonal. I go, really? You know, it's like, I don't know. It's, it doesn't suck. It's pretty fun.
0: That's awesome. And so talk about how exercise science has evolved, because you said a lot of the exercise stuff has not changed that much, but it's more the recovery stuff, like the foam rollers and the ice baths and the supplements. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's a fitness is always reinventing itself to some degree. But then again, when you look at it, you know, from 64,000 feet, it really hasn't changed much since Jack LaLanne. You, you know what I mean? I mean, Jack LaLanne was doing this stuff called periodization training. I I made it, we made up a term for P90X called muscle confusion. You know what I mean? So the the idea here, I, I I think, and and the reason why P90X worked pretty well, and the reason why fitness is sort of the same now is. You know, you work on your weaknesses. You have these things that you enjoy. You do those things that are your favorites, and that's great. And then you also want to delve into some stuff that that is challenging. You know what I mean? If you're not a cardio person, then maybe if you did it, you'd, find some, you'd get some new gains. Or if you hate yoga, I get that. I mean, I didn't like it at first either. I was just doing it because I wanted to meet girls, not because I wanted to, to do yoga. But then I discovered in the process, like, yoga is awesome. You know what I mean? Look how horrible I am at this thing. If I'm really struggling at this thing, then it's uh, that in itself means I'm learning my, my body's adapting. There's transformation is happening before my very eyes, you know? And so that's why, you know, I mean, I went up to Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese's house name dropping. And um, I got <laughs> in their pool with a bunch of weights and I had the my ass handed to me and I'm like, this is valuable. You know what I mean? I mean, this is super valuable. And that, that's, I think where, And here's the thing. This is just my experience and other people. Like if you look at P90X12 workouts, all very different, 90 days. No one had really done that before. No one ever did martial arts and yoga and Pilates and weightlifting and body weight and and abra No one had – everybody was doing their yoga program. Everybody was doing their Pilates program. Everybody was sitting on a bike. You know what I mean? Everybody was bodybuilding. You know what I mean? But they weren't doing all of it. Right. All of it means you get to avoid the boredom, injuries, and plateaus that come from doing the same shit over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, like, hello. It's it's not like that's not anything that's not hard to figure out. But for me, I mean, you know, and that all stemmed from trading Bruce Springsteen and Billy Idol and Tom Petty and all these people that had a lot of you know eyes on them and looking at who's this Tony Horton guy and and my job was not to get fired, so I was hey let's try this let's get a heavy bag hey let's try some yoga today hey hey, let's get you a treadmill a stationary bike a Versa climber, and a, and a and a whatever and just play you know as opposed to just whatever what other people were doing and that that was the that was where i was sort of you know early on when i was a trainer getting up at five thirty in the morning and working till all day driving around my 66 mustang convertible Thinking I was the coolest guy in the world training all these celebrities, even though I was still broke, really, technically. that's That was the groundwork for what became Power 90 and P90X and P90X3 and P90X2. And nobody has really tried to duplicate any of it yet. No one's done their version of that yet. They're still just in their very myopic, you know, their tunnel vision version of fitness. Like, look at a Peloton. What, why are they struggling? Because it's a bike you know what I mean? Like they they they're, you, you can, on your bike, you can have a screen with people doing other workouts. Okay. You know what I mean? But what is, what, it, what ultimately inspires people I think are really, really good trainers that are, that are interesting and fun to be with and s- inspire motivate and educate you. That's it. Like a piece of equipment that requires a whole lot of self-discipline that goes away after a while. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, And the reason why there's going to be like 12 people at my house tonight driving in in traffic from all over the city is because I I make one of the worst workouts in the world, Plyometrics, quasi-fun. Wow. Most trainers don't make fitness fun. There are some do that like do dance, right? They're they're kind of their personalities. You know, obviously we're doing dance. It's got to be fun. But um, I'm a nutbag. If somebody – I was in the airport one time. I don't know. I think I was in Denver. And like, hey, Tony, you're like the American – you're like America's – what what'd they say? They said – america's fitness clown Eh. i go is that are you being kind right now what are you saying and they go no it's just that you know everybody else made it so dull and boring and serious Mm. before you you know what i mean and it's still like in in that way fitness is still stuck the reason why the obesity rate is still going up is that i don't have Eight thousand more people like me. Not to say I'm not patting myself on the back when I tell you how how better I am than everybody else. It's just that everybody else takes this thing, this stuff, too serious. A, they just they're own, they're specialized in one kind of fitness, which is works for some people some of the time for you know for a short period of time. It just it just needs to be you know I was at Idea Health, Health and uh, Health and I don't know what it's called the Idea Health World Fitness Convention. And there's all these young entrepreneurs. I mean, there were the standard big shots in there that you know that have big brands um, like TRX and others, and they're all coming up with their little fun toy. And I would say, hey, this is cool, but what you you know what you need is a really good trainer that could take this toy of yours and figure out 50 ways to use it, and then sell the program to people to use your toy. Oh, and by the way, you better come up with 15 other toys. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, you better keep developing and keep, you know, getting your molds for whatever it is. And um, and then you'll be successful. But just to sell this, you know, this string with a weight on the end of it, you, you know, you're not going to be very popular.
0: Yeah. So is that how you stand out in a sea of fitness experts and fitness programs? Because there's so many different YouTube channels and TikToks. Like, is it just by having, standing out with your personality? Because I agree, that is something that, drew me to p90x i was like oh i like this guy like he's he's happy he's like entertaining and yeah it was like it was inspiring and encouraging to watch you every single
1: day for years and years and years you sick bastard <laughs> you masochist bastard yeah i guess i don't know i mean you know look I, I didn't even come out to california to be a trainer i wanted to be an actor and a performer and, and yeah so i took the you know i i did my pantomime on the pier and in westwood just so i could make a, you know 25 dollars to live on cheerios and yogurt for a couple of days, you know what I mean. Like, just that was just that's painstaking stuff, you know what I mean. But when you're hungry, you figure it out. Thank God I had those street performing type skills, and then you take your acting classes, your you know your scene study classes, and then and then you know I was really big into improv, so I was with Second City LA. So there I was laying all the groundwork for the personality that I have now on camera for t- teaching fitness, and then two years of stand up. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, brutal right you're up there it's fu- it's freaking now it's raw like you got to say a thing and you're waiting for a reaction either you get it or you don't and then if you don't you go home and you rewrite those jokes and you go stand in line at club cafe lounge at seven o'clock for a you know eleven thirty spot you know what i mean like you just most people aren't willing to put in that kind of a that kind of effort you know what i mean
0: no, that's an interesting. Talk about your stand-up comedy days. Like, did you make friends with any comedians that ended up making it later? No, or?
1: no, I wasn't paying attention to anybody. I mean, oh. everybody. We were, we were all losers, man. We were all just, you know, whether some of them <laughs> made it in the end or not, I wouldn't even know. Wow. You know, I had a little group of five of our six of us, and we would have these little skull sessions, these little like brainstorming sessions on 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 on, on the jokes that we were d- going to do. You know, Cause we knew that we had like a three minute spot or a five minute spot. And then we would always, once in a while, we would shut down a, like a little club from Monday night. Cause Monday nights are slow. And we would have like a little, um like a little premiere showcase we used to call them. And so the five of us would talk to the owner of the club and then we would, you know, we'd have the stage to ourselves and we were, and then we would invite all our friends and their, and our friends, friends. So they were very sympathetic audiences, you know, and then we would, we would film them, you know what I mean? We'd have a, a camera guy, there, so we could have our, our, our three, five, ten minute spots so that we can end up at you know at the Laugh Factory or at uh, the improv or or, or um you know, the big one on Sunset, I forget. Comedy store, comedy store, and I you know I auditioned for Mitzi Gaynor, you know, like others. You know, you're very interesting, you know, but I think more comedy and less pantomime why don't you just keep working the clubs and come back in six months? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, you just, so you were doing all this stuff. Plus I was, you know, training people and I was building furniture and I was waiting tables and I was, you know, driving out to Vegas to be a human statue on, on a buffet table. I mean, you know, there was all these crazy gigs that I had all going at once living hand to mouth. And that's, you know, there's a lot of people who come out here and have those types of stories. A lot of them aren't successful in the end, you know, they're, they're working their ass off and then they go back to Iowa or Rhode Island or where, like where I was from. You know what I mean? For me, yeah, for me, so, it, was, yeah, yeah, for me it was just uh, well, go ahead.
0: Oh, go ahead. I go ahead. Just, yeah, I was going to th- go ahead. For, for me, you lot. know,
1: I, I just, I had an agent who said you got to get in shape because yeah. you're kind of budgy and you're kind of skinny at the same time. And that doesn't work if you want any. you know, and I was, I was prettier then because I was younger and I had a modeling agent. So they wanted me to, you know, for bathing suit ads and things like that. So I yeah. started working out and at that time. I was working at 20th Century Fox with this woman, uh, Julia Phillips, who and her husband, Michael Phillips, did um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Taxi Driver and uh, and The Sting with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And they had done those movies and then she got a divorce from Michael and then she was still in the lot at Fox. And and uh a buddy of mine got a nice gig with Dolly Parton, and he said, "Hey, I've got this gig with this crazy woman. You want it? You don't have to wait tables anymore." And I said, "Sure." And you know, I got fired every Friday night because I forgot to change a light bulb or something. And then they, her partner Harlan Goodman, who was used to be in the music industry, would call me and go, oh, "Dude, you're not fired. Come, come on back." And I did that for two years, but I mean, another op- they let me go on my auditions, and that was it. Like I was not a trainer; I was just exercising you know, after work. And then Harlan noticed my transformation between when he hired me and about eight months in. And, and I, and I said, Hey, I can get you back in shape too. You know? So he was my first client. I wasn't certified. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going to world gym and, you know, looking at Arnold and Lou Ferrigno and going 75 sets of chest seems extreme, but okay. (laughs) That's what they're in here for like three hours. Holy crap. You know? And so I would just come, I would try to custom mold that for, for, uh, for Harlan and you know and one of the things you learn as a comedian is you got to know your audience and so that's sort of the case with anybody like you know what I mean like you have to read the room and so Harlan's not going to do 75 sets of chess but I got to come up with a sequence where he not only pays me for the job that I do for him but also his training and then somebody know Harlan went back to East End Management because he and Julia couldn't make a movie to save their lives at that point I had three or four clients you know and I thought all right well I'll still wait tables and I'll still train a couple people and I'll still train Harlan and then Harlan was walking down the hall of Easton Management, and Tom Petty was walking down the hall, and he looked at Harlan he said, "Hey Harlan you you look fantastic. I'm going on tour and I'm fat, and nobody likes a fat rocker." So Harlan said, "Call Tony Orton." and so he did. My roommate picked up the phone, and my roommate didn't believe it was him, and so he hung up on Tom Petty and and then Tom Petty called back, <laughs> and he goes, "Jesus, dude, this sounds a lot like Tom Petty. And I gave me. The phone. <laughs> I think it's yeah. Tom Petty. so I went on. No, you know, I, I trained, yeah. trained Tom. And that's Tell how I training, training
0: him. Like, what kind of music does he work out to? And like, what kind of conversations did you guys have? Because I mean, you're you're one of the most successful trainers ever. He's one of the most successful musicians. Well, I
1: wasn't. I was a nobody, man. I, at that point, I was Carlin right. and Tom Petty. That's the only two, and and a, and a couple of and a secretary and a lot of Fox and and two doctors. I think I had these two doctors that lived in Westwood that I trained. That was it. Um, but you know he played a lot of eclectic uh bluesy stuff that was his thing he liked, like he had his own uh, radio station on XM Sirius XM um i think it was called like Petty's Locker or something and and just stuff that maybe you know your parents had heard that were like bluesy and countryish and and uh, you know he would play the birds and he would play you know Crosby Stills Nash and Young and that kind of thing you know and he was that was kind of his music that was similar to what what he did and and the conversations were all about the early days when he was with mud crutch and how he started and how he would walk around school and nobody you know he was a scrawny little kid nobody used to look at him and and he and his buddies um this is maybe even pre-mud crutch learned three songs and they played a school dance and they knocked the crap out of the school school dance and then following monday he was a hero like nobody talked to him and like oh my god you're and he, and then all the girls in school were like what's your name again and you're what and you played the school dance and so he you know he did it for girls and his father was a roadie for elvis so we'd tell those stories about how we'd walk into elvis's trailer you know and there's elvis and he was like seven or something you know what i mean and and his dad introduced him to Elvis and he was a huge Beatles fan too he he was a it was Elvis Beatles Bob Dylan boom 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 as he was coming up and then i remember when i was i was training him then he went off on a tour and he came back and he met um George Harrison and Ringo Starr and they came to, one. I think, his Madison Square Garden gig and just how they when they came back. I mean, these were his idols. He had never met him yet. And he was already a big star. And they knew, you know, they knew about Tom Petty. So they went to see the show and they went backstage and there's he's meeting, you know, George Harrison and, uh, and Ringo Starr. And he tells me that story. And he said that the following night, because I think he did a three night gig at Madison Square Garden. The following night they came came backstage again and it was his birthday and they brought a birthday cake. And and they sang, you know, the Beatles version of, they say it's your birthday. I mean, can you imagine? And That's he was like crazy. He was like a little kid talking about it. Man, it was so cool to hear from him firsthand about that experience. And then, of course, the traveling Willberries kicked in, and right and that that was it. I remember when his wife, his then wife Jane, his first wife, who I trained also, was having a birthday, and and, and my girlfriend and I. I don't think I've told this story to anybody in a podcast, so you're getting some fresh material here. We went. To, we were invited to the, everything because I was. At, I saw Tom. You know, for, I trained him for 32 years. I was kind of part of the family. You know, when I went on tour with him, uh, the, after the first time I trained him, he called my parents' house. I was in Rhode Island. I don't even know how the hell he got the number. Hey, Tony, I'm as you know, I'm on tour, but I'm getting fat again. Jane and I need you. So I went on the New York, New Jersey, Long Island part of the tour. So I was at Madison Square Garden and the rafters with the l- laminate on and, you know, having all the luxury of that. And so, you know, it was just it was a wild ride. man. it was just a really wild ride to be with, with him and do all that and, and train him during that time. It was it was really fun.
0: Is it true that he did not like going out to dinner because he'd go out to dinner and people would be like, oh, my God, it's Tom Petty. And that would make him like really uncomfortable.
1: I don't know. I don't know. He told me crazy stories about when he and Bob Dylan would go to Denny's on Ventura Boulevard. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Like, like, and then Dylan wow. would talk the whole time. It was just kind of crazy stuff. And and that one night where we had that, that birthday party for Jane, uh, George Harrison and, and like and me, like I had met him yet. You know what I mean? And there I am sitting there with 20 people. It's like Tom's best friends, me and my girlfriend at the time, Michelle. And then George Harrison and Ringo Starr sing the song. Michelle, my bell, da da da. To Michelle, while we're sitting there with twenty people around, and we're both completely. Holy gone. shit! Yeah, and this before
0: you know. were like P ninety X Tony. Hoard. Nobody
1: is- knew. Who, no, I was still. So, like, does
0: that inspire you to go? You know what? I'm hanging out with this rock stars. Like I'm in the club. Like I, I'm one of the best. I'm, I'm going to be one of the best trainers ever.
1: Well, the thing was, that there were other trainers that were celebrity trainers that had, were like a lot of had a lot of TV time. I had none of that. You know, I mean, it started with Tom, and then Tom went on that tour, and he was, he cut off the sleeves to his shirts. He was wearing vests without shirts. He was completely, you know, ripped in stride and strided, everything like, whoa. So then, you know, when he got back from tour, um, hello, mate, it's, it's Billy Oil. I saw you did that. What the F did you do to, you know, Tom Petty? Can you come to my house and do that too, mate? That's my horrible. Billy's more like, right, oh, mate. F- F- I have to do F bombs to do Billy. You can say,
0: um, fuck. I don't care.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I don't. Know, I have to worry about my fan base. Oh, right. But, you know, um, you know, bloody hell, mate, this looks fantastic. Can you come to my house? So I went to Billy's house, and I, you know, I got Billy in shape, and then, um, then it was Stephen Stills because they were the same management company. I couldn't do much for Stephen. He just wasn't into it. I mean, the Stephen <laughs> Stills stories, you and I could do it two hours on that. It just was crazy. Wow. I went on a ski trip with Stephen Stills. <laughs> you know what I mean? His wife didn't ski, so goes, you know. Hey, coach, coach, you want to go to you want to go to Vancouver Ski Blackcomb Whistler with me? Sure. You know what I mean? And uh, so I had I had Billy, Tom and Steven and then Tom introduced me to Annie Lennox. So then I had Annie Lennox. And then um, um, I was training Patty Scalfa, uh Bruce's wife, for the longest time, because my my roommate was their driver. Right. Just the world. OK. And then one day I show up at the house, you know, because and then the extent of my exchanges with Bruce were, "Hi hey, Tony, how you doing?" You know, in the kitchen he beat and cheerios. Hey, how you doing? And I go, "Hey Bruce," and that was it. And then she comes out in street clothes one day. Um, hey, um, so sorry I forgot I have an appointment, but you know, uh, Bruce wants to know if he can work out with you today. You know what I mean? And I would already had all you know rockers, but it's it's the boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he comes out. He comes out, and I you know other than. Hello and goodbye. Um, uh, we would walk to the gym. It was kind of through the woods. It was a they bought another house next door where they live and they it was a four-car garage, which was their gym. And we're walking through the woods to go to the other gym. And he goes, Yeah, because I went and saw the show the night before. He was playing um the Great Western Forum, is what it was called then, but which is now the staple center. But well, it's a different building. But so walking he goes, Yeah, I got back from the show and and I turned on the TV and Patty and I are there. And there you are. You're on the you're on the TV. And I turned to Patty and I said, Hey, look, it's Tony, your trainer. Uh, can I work with him tomorrow? <laughs> so my buddy Tom, who's their driver, goes, The power of television, dude. Bruce sees you on the tube, and all of a sudden he wants to train with you. And wow. I, you know, they've traveled a lot. Their main their main spot was New Jersey, obviously. So I would only see him when they were in town. And it was great. And it was just uh, so when Bruce was in town, my Monday, Wednesday, Friday was. Billy Idol first up in Hollywood. Then I go all the way to Malibu and train Tom. And I go back to Beverly Hills and train. Um, I would be Tom. And then Annie Lennox lived around the corner from Tom in Woodland Hills. And then um, then it was Steven Stills. Then it was Bruce. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, then there was Stevie Nicks, dude. Stevie yeah. Nicks, Bryce Dells, Howard, Sean Connery, right? Wasn't he on the Sean list? Sean Connery. Yeah. I got him ready for Medicine Man. And then Shirley MacLaine. Oh, my God. That was. If I only had a phone, then if I only this is all pre internet, really, is sure. all pre phones. But, but yeah, Shirley McLean was one of the most interesting people ever, you know. And How yeah, so? I mean, just, you know, because you know, she was part of the rat pack, man. I mean, she was, you know, and of course, she obviously was able to leave her body and go in outer space and stuff that you know, at least she says she did. And she had, she had a, uh, you know, she had a vocabulary like a sailor, man. She was. Mm relentless on the language it was i mean it was, it was amazing amazing and brilliant i mean the woman was just absolutely you know she was uh she knew who she was she knew what she wanted she was a go-getter i almost killed her on a ski machine though that was i think that's the reason why she stopped training with me I said, I don't think you're ready for it, Shirley. She goes, no, let me try that thing. And she just went, eh, eh, eh. and then all, I had to catch her before her head hit another piece of equipment. Like, literally, I dove across the room and grabbed her before her head, like, slammed on this thing. And she was shaking. You know, she was freaked out. <clears throat> wow. Know?
0: Yeah. That's so crazy. So part of that, though, is that you were in the right place at the right time. Like, you were in L.A. and Hollywood. Like, you couldn't have done that if you were living in Nebraska or something.
1: No, not in Rhode Island. You know, I mean, in, wow. in 1980, after not graduating from the from the University of Rhode Island yet, my, my one of my best buddies from high school, who just graduated from Syracuse, said, "Hey, what are you doing this summer?" I go, "I don't know. I'm going to go to Boston and wait tables. I, my life sucks. I haven't finished. I didn't graduate. All my friends graduated, so now I got to, you know, get through this summer. I don't want to live with my parents because that would be lame. So I'm going to try to find an apartment." And he goes, "I'm I'm going to California, man. I'm leaving in a week. Get the car." I was like. I do it. I got. I said I got four hundred bucks in the bank. That's why I'm going up the way. He goes, we'll figure it out. So we you know we slept in the car. We slept at Motel Sixes. We ran out of money in Boulder. Out of money in Boulder, and my parents were freaked out. Like, where are you going, California? It's so far away. And that's when you know made, you made a phone call. It was like, uh-oh, right. It was landlines, and you know it cost. You had to do collect, and your parents would get a bill for forty dollars to make a phone call from from L. A. to to Rhode Island. But I went anyway, and I got to Boulder, and I, brought, I packed my mime stuff, and I made $125 in a day in Boulder. Wow. Yeah, because it's a big – there's street performers everywhere. Okay. You know I, mean? I mean, I was all day doing the mime. and, <laughs> and...
0: <laughs> It's so weird to think of you being a mime. I just – I thought – well, the first time I heard that, I thought I misheard it. I was like, no, I didn't hear that right. No, you really were a mime. It's crazy. I was a mime. I was like, yeah,
1: because I, I had a speech issue as a kid. I had, I had a speech impediment called cluttering. Yeah. And cluttering is just the inability to be able to slow down and think about what you're saying so that you can disseminate, articulate, um, and inform. And I did, I, that was me, my, daughter, my daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just, you know, and I, I got out of it by just reading books, listening to it on a tape recorder or magazine or newspaper, or just read the words on the page and slow the F down. And, um, and my vocabulary was pretty lame as a, as a child. I didn't, I was part of the issue was I was always searching for the right word. I wanted to say the right thing, but I didn't have the right word. So I did the, I did the word of the day thing with a calendar, you know, I would like, you know, January 3rd, you know, uh, protagonist. Okay. I'll write that down or, you know, columbatious uh, or didactic. Okay. Write that one down. You know what I mean? And I tried to, I tried to integrate those words into my daily life. Uh, and so when the word would be there like oh okay here's a chance to slow down and find that word and use the word i mean i was a malaprop a lot of the time i wasn't probably saying the right thing malaprop you see what i did there chuck i used a big word yeah and well, tell uh, me.
0: sorry yeah. Go, go on There's
1: yeah a... so so that was that's why i was a mind because i wanted i needed money and i wanted to perform yeah. but i was too afraid to be able to do jokes or anything, right? Or or whatever kind of physical comedy that I was doing. I didn't want to speak. So mine was my way to, you know, when I was in college, I would do these these gigs. I would crank up like magical mystery tour music, or, you know, like Beatles. I was a big fan of Beatles. And the Beatles were still, you know, I was the 70s, so they were still really super popular. And I found some acid jazz music that was really trippy and fun. Like jean Luc Ponté was a great google him man okay Some great music you've never heard before and i would crank it up and i would do all these bits i did this x-rated menage a trois on stage where it was me and two invisible women doing whatever <laughs> you know what i mean i'm on the co- i'm on the college campus so everybody was like, yeah. you, know, like you know whatever, you know, whatever. it's like, funny you know, uh, ripping off bras with my hands and fake bras. It was disgusting and awful. And now if I did it, I'd be arrested. I'd be the Lenny Lenny Bruce of the woke world. If I even tried to do that anymore. Um, But at the time it was what I did and it was real. I'm not going to deny it didn't happen, but it was, you know, it was, the music was fun. And then the, the physicality of it was fun. And, and that's what I would do out, out in Boulder. And I, and I made that money and I got myself to Huntington beach and in Huntington beach, we just started, you know, I did more mime and I painted houses, and whatever handyman stuff which i was good with my hands i was you know i did a lot of carpentry as a kid and so that's that was the early days and then the exercise came in you know only because that's where you know the women were too they were in the gyms you know going to clubs at night and whatever i mean it was this it was the 80s man you know i mean if you know anything about the 80s it was it was it was fun in the 80s you know
0: yeah so then after you made it with the p90x and stuff um, I mean, did you want to re- revisit that stuff? Cause that was your dream to be an actor. Did you want to try to be, and I heard you said, you had something like five TV pilots Were any, yeah. were all those fitness things or were they other?
1: Some of them of were, things? some of them were, some of them weren't, um, you know, I did some commercials. I did a beer commercial. I did a cheese commercial. I, I was in a, I was in the last action hero with, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, tiny little part. I played a cop called wash washlegger Walshlegger, Walshlegger. Huh. um i was in um the 13th warrior with antonio Menderis. uh i had two little scenes you know like three and a half hours in the chair wearing prosthetics um uh and, and you know and i was still going to my you know i was i went to uh, uh daryl hickman's acting class for three years at the debbie reynolds dance studio every week driving you know all the way to burbank from the other side of town and and traffic. I just, you know, I mean, I learned scenes from Raging Bull and, you know, you know, and, and whatever. And then I took a class uh, with Brian Reese on Fountain in, in Hollywood. I was into it, man. I love the community. I made such great. I have lifelong friends be- because of those those days. Second City, L.A., and it was brief because it, it shut down. It didn't survive, sadly. And then the comedy, too. You know, these were just just great. I just I love comics. I love actors. I love spending, like most of the people that I work out with are actors in comics. You know what I mean? They just, that's, that's my, that's my groove. You know I mean? I just enjoy their company. I mean, I still, I have accountants that are friends too. I have other friends, but I just love outrageous, silly, confident performer types. That's, and that's kind of who I am, I guess too. You
0: know? No, absolutely. That's interesting. Tell me more. Cause you always talk about this, like 23 businesses that failed. I thought this idea That you had for putting your meals into like uh, gas stations or 7 Elevens? Oh my God,
1: dude. We met with 7 Eleven and the CEO was all about it. And we were like seven, there's like 5,800 of them all around the world. You know what I mean? Or 85,000. I don't know how many 7 Elevens. And we were in about 110 7 Elevens. Uh, It was called TH Kitchen. Take that logo and put the word kitchen there. Okay. Um, and, uh, oh my God, we were, we were, I was ready to buy my castle and I was ready to buy my alligator feed for the moat that they would live in. You know what I mean? Because, and then, but the problem was at the seven, because seven 11 is a, is a Japanese owned company, but they also, their, their headquarters, their U S headquarters were in Texas. And the CEO was all about just, let's get some healthy food. It's all rolling hot dogs and cigarettes and and, and Red Bull in this freaking place. You know what I mean? And and they unfortunately there was another contingency at Seven Eleven that hated the idea, mm. fought him tooth and nail, and they ended up putting out in the end. Um, you know, they with the whole project from soup to nuts, we came up with the with the salads and the sandwiches, and they were freaking awesome. And we I had my own little healthy beverages. It was just so cool. We did this big promotion where I went all over Southern California, and we had newspapers come in and and you know. Com- um, uh tv art tv crews would come in you know local news would come in and did this thing and it was it was a brilliant idea and it should have kept going but you know what i mean there were just too many people f- fighting it uh yeah. spam risk what do you think should i pick it up i'm gonna Who? It. spam risk you know You know, oh yeah I,
0: no don't pick that yeah. one up he's not a you good guy uh, just
1: here. hung up on spam risk. oh
0: that's a great one so what else have you learned from the businesses that failed like do you feel like maybe you need to be in charge of some of this stuff if you put it well, into somebody else then they crap out
1: yeah yeah because you know look i had i had i had my own watch failed i had my own insoles failed had my own mouth guard failed had the five tv pilots failed had three home delivery food services failed on top of the one that was 7-eleven um you know i mean i couldn't even i added them up like a couple years ago when it was 23 but you have to keep and by the way every time you do one of those deals a lot of lawyers if they're 575 dollars an hour Uh, just flush that down up the toilet, you know, Um, because I was the P90X guy. Everybody and anybody knew who I was, no matter where I went. And they all wanted to have those meetings and um, and create those products. But then again, my story is honestly not that different than a lot of other entrepreneurs, you know. I uh mean, right now, you know, Power Nation, you know, pumping along. I'm on Tonal now, which is, you know, Tonal's had its ups and downs just like Peloton's had its ups and downs, but it's a viable, incredible piece of equipment and they're doing everything they can. Uh, I'm the only trainer in LA left. All the other trainers in Tonal are in New York City. They had mm. they had cutbacks, but my stuff's really popular, so they keep me around. Thank God. I mean, I love working for them. That I have a Tonal in my house. I'm on it every, almost every day. It's an amazing piece of equipment and I'm thrilled to be part of that. But now I have three and four jobs I mean, I was just at idea having all these meetings. I had a meeting with the, with the folks that created this thing called the endless rope, which is an absolutely incredible piece of equipment. But, you know, it's just one piece of equipment. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot, it has got a lot of versatility to it. Maybe not as much as the tonal, but it's a really cool thing. And maybe I'll be working with them soon too. So, you know, it's a grind and it's a struggle and, you know, a little breath work here and there allows me to be okay with the fact that, you know, this endless rope thing might not work out. Some of the meetings that I had at Idea also might not work out. That's just the process. But I have my own supplement line called Power Life that's blowing up, right? I had that meeting. We made those products. It's still going. Yay, you know? Uh, yeah. the Tone, I've been with Tonal three years. I'm the, like the number one guy on the machine, which is cool. That's why they keep me around. Um, so that's good. There's two forms of income. And then the project that Sean and I started uh, uh, is, is is growing. As opposed to a lot of them, Beachbody dying, Peloton dying, other other companies—they're dying. You know what I mean? They're not dying, but they're just—you know—it's not—it's not going according to plan. We, we are—we are presently in a phase of growth.
0: That's which is, nice.
1: Which is nice. Yeah,
0: yeah that is nice. Because I, I heard you talking about how like there was a death in your family, and instead of how most people, if something the tragedy comes, they start eating crappy and they drink more. And you started working out more. So it was like you had an opposite uh, reaction to that. You, a, a tragedy came and you decided, I'm going to work harder instead of less hard.
1: And, and by the way, that's that's not my nature. But I know the difference between common sense and stupidity. You, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe stupidity is the wrong word. But I, I was on um, Sanjay Gupta's podcast and he said, you know, during the pandemic, there were there were hunks, chunks, monks, and drunks. And I added a fifth category fifth category called pumps. And he goes, What's that? People who think the whole thing's a scam. You know what I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. tell that to your uncle who just died. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But the monks not leaving the house, had wore a mask in the house. You know what I mean? Like, they were just shutting it down, which, you know, they wanted to be safe. Maybe they had immune issues and they, they thought that, or maybe they thought it was the plague, which, to, you know, for some people it was. The drunks just went right to the bottle, man. They just like they were just, you know, intoxicated for most of the pandemic. And then the chunks were the ate themselves. I mean, I have friends that I hadn't seen during the pandemic. And when I saw them, I was, oh my God, like they were eight sizes bigger than they were, and they'd never been big in their lives. I mean, I saw tons of that where people just like anesthetized themselves with food. And then the and then the the one category that that Sanjay said I was was hunks. The hunk's like, oh, things are going bad. Who do I got to be to be the best I can be? Like, how can I rise above all this insanity? And that's what I did. I just, that's why I, that's I I did three live free workouts on, on, on Instagram and Facebook every week for like a year and a half, you know, Sean and I had our dance party on Fridays.
0: Mm. (laughs) Wow.
1: You know what (laughs) I mean? And then I did yoga every week. And then I did a apply a plyo workout every week for people, just because that's you know. And then from that spawn, that, you know what I mean. By doing instead of just sitting on your ass and feeling sorry yeah. for yourself and eating and drinking, you know what I mean, and hunkering down. I mean, I mm-hmm. hunkered down. I was kind of monk, monk like too. I, I, I was concerned. I mean, I, I don't know. I believe in science and stuff, and yeah. I knew people would pass away. So mm, you know, and they weren't necessarily old or autoimmune deficient. They were just.
0: Right. Well, and isn't that one of the best things that you could do? Because you can't control what goes on with the virus, but you can control your own health. So if you start control your own behavior,
1: you certainly yeah. can. And by the way, there's the hard thing and there's the easy thing. The hard thing usually results in po- positive outcomes. The easy things does the opposite of that. It's like, duh, you know what I mean? I'm a lazy guy and I pick this, you know what I mean? Because common sense says that's going to get me through this thing. And as a result, there's a whole new program uh, that's that's emerged from it you know amazing you I'll put the web-
0: yeah i'll put the website in the show notes and then the uh what's the what was it called the power sync comes out in september power sync 60 power sync 60 okay and that's specifically yeah. more for women
1: well it's for both men and women there is a okay. men's schedule the workouts are hard and challenging and men are going to love it but then the women's women's have multiple calendars based on you know pre perimenopausal, perimetapausal post you know what i mean um which is really sort of, you know, getting into the weeds to give them the best chance to get the best results. And our two test groups have so far proven that you know, Dr. Mindy was right. So okay. there's that, then there's the power of four which is the original, you know, uh supplementation, mindfulness, food and fitness. There's that that's part of that too. So it's uh, powernationfitness.com.
0: Okay. And then is it so it's obviously not the DVDs anymore. So is it? Do people just it's is streaming? It people,
1: it's a streaming service. You, you you know, you go to that link and then you sign up. The first week is uh, is free. You know, what I mean, you just get in there and you p- look at anything you want. So that that means you would you would sign in and you would be in the trial phase. Seven days are up. You, you know, it goes away, and and then you have to decide whether you want to do one of you know. September one, you can wait for Power PowerSync 60, or you can get in there and start doing the Power of 4, or you can do Michael Bradley's program, or, or Chelsea McKinney's program, or or Scott Morgan's program, or Steve Holmson's program. And I'm really loving that part of it. Like, sh- we shoot a lot of these at the house here. I have a you know, pretty decent gym downstairs. And so I'm now, you know, it's not Beachbody doing it for me. It's me doing it for people that I, if I were at Beachbody, I would have hired then. And uh. these are folks that are just, people that I love, that I trust, that I know, that are good, um, and giving them the shot, having them, you know, maybe having the kind of success that I have. And, and the and the ones that keep digging down and, you know, spend time on social media and promote their stuff, they'll rise to the top. And the good thing is that our, you know, our subscription base is not very high right now, but it's growing. And so if they're busy Right. And it grows and they'll be making some decent bread. And I that's it. Like, you know, there's a lot of people with and they all have other kinds of jobs, you know. Like my one guy, Michael, who's in Utah, he works at three or four different gyms, you know, driving all over town. I go, dude, wouldn't it be nice just to work here a couple of days a month and make that same kind of bread? And then that way you can spend more time in the hiking with your kid. You know what I mean?
0: You said you think he's gonna be the next big thing.
1: Um, he could be if he wanted to. Wanted. But he he just wants to live in a yurt, man, and 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 do uh, animal flow in a yurt with his wife and kid. You know, he doesn't care about fame or money or any of it. He doesn't want to. Li- I, he came here to live here. It uh, was working in a. You know, I said, come here to town, be here for four months. This is before he was married and had a child. And the pandemic hit, and and he had to go home and, and and deal with you know family stuff and whatnot. So, but he doesn't care about that. There's another friend of mine, Brian Palatucci, and his. His program just launched. It was the last one on June first, and I think he he could be the next me because he wants it. He he oh. he's, a, he's funny. He's an actor. He's a comic. You know, he's done co- comedy. He's fit as hell. He's ambitious as hell. He's he's great on camera. So maybe you know that would be fun. And fun to see him take off. And my friend Scott Morgan too is another one that could. It's really working hard to get there. Um, Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Cool. Be, be, be fun to be that guy who goes, fly really?
0: away, my, my young. Yeah, like a mentor, isn't that kind of what you want to do? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's yeah. really cool. And Mike, then also, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I always like to end with a charity. I think you you work with the Go Campaign. Is that right?
1: I do. I go campaign. dot 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 I think it is or dot com. You'll have to Google Dot. org. One. It's right here, right in front of me. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, you know it all. Stem if you did P ninety X, you know who Scotty Pfeiffer is. Scotty Pfeiffer and his famous scissors, Scotty Pfeiffer scissors. Yeah, Uh, he was a screenwriter and a and a lawyer, and you know whatever, doing his thing here in town. And then he went on a working vacation to Tanzania, and he met he met these young kids at the base of Kilimanjaro that were doing acrobatics and juggling and stuff, and they were all orphans. And this guy David, who ran this orphanage called Tuna Hockey, pulled these kids off the street, taught them how to perform, and anybody who Climbs Kilimanjaro has to go right by Tuna Hockey, and Scott spent three weeks there. And he came back and said, "I don't need to screenwrite anymore. I don't need it to be a lawyer. I need to, I need to make this work better." Because David is he's great and he's trying, but th- we got to help more kids than like thirty kids. We got to help thousands of kids. So umpteen years later, um, Scott started his own version of Tuna Hockey called Go Campaign, and so far one hundred and eighty-five thousand orphans pulled off the street and given a life, you know, wow. And we, we, we raise money for books and schools. And
0: I think it says 195,000 now.
1: Is it 195? Yeah. Like, well, my data is old. I got old data.
0: <laughs> That's amazing though. Wow. what a, I didn't realize that was the guy from that was in P90X.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And the other can't, the other, the other charity too is world central kitchen. Cause I, you know, oh, yeah I just donated a substantial part of my, 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 um, I just, you know, because what what's going on in Ukraine makes me completely insane. I, I just, I cannot believe that there's in this modern world, a jag off like Putin is getting away with what he's getting away with, man. I just, mm. I want to see him hung by the freaking earlobes one day. And uh, so oh, I just, well, made World they're, they're Central they're, they're Kitchen, a, a huge chunk of my portfolio, like my wife and financial was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I go, man, goes around, comes around. And It's interesting when that money went out, that the, that that same amount of money plus came in just through th- another means. And that's one of the things. I'm doing this seminar right now.'m I'm, I'm building the seminars. actually, I think we I go live on the 11th of August. And altruism and civility is, is a huge part of my belief system. It's not like anybody would argue with those two things. So I think a lot of times we get caught up in our little tribe and our little camp and we you know what I mean we're we're fighting the wrong fight with the wrong people. And we're holding on so tight to our stuff, you know what I mean? And it's like do the opposite of those two things. and you wouldn't believe how your world opens up. you know, just it's just charity and giving and loving and patience. and you know these are that's why we're here, I think, not just you know, owning, no, absolutely owning and expensive shit is not right. right. Well,
0: and you inspire so many people with your workouts and stuff, you've changed so many lives by doing the fitness stuff, that's making the world better, too. so.
1: Well, I mean partly partly why I'm who I am is it's all self self-help, which is not I don't like that term, personal development. But once you go through the personal development cycle, whatever it is, Deepak Chopra, Andrew Wilde, Gary Zukoff, like once you get all the gurus and you learn what they have to, you know, M. Scott Peck. I mean, all these a lot of these books are personal development books, you learn that, oh, it ain't about you. It's not about you anymore. You get your shit together so that you can now begin to focus on not you anymore, you're done. Right. Now it's everything, like total strangers. It's just, you know, P90X exists because I went up to a guy after reading a chapter in a book that said, go out of your way, do something nice to somebody you don't like. And I, I don't know that's stupid. I don't want to do that. But I know, I'll do the chapter. And I did it. And the guy introduced me to Carl Dykler, who was the CEO of, P90, of Beachbody.
0: Well, there you go. Amazing advice. So inspirational. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, feel free to come back anytime. If more Chuck, coming. feel
1: free to invite me anytime. And next time I'll comb my hair
0: okay awesome thank you so much
1: all right dude See you later you. okay bye
0: tony horton still can't believe he did my podcast pretty wild make sure to check out his website links are in the show notes also make sure to follow tony on social media to keep up with everything he's doing and while you're on there you can follow our show we post little clips on instagram and tiktok and make sure you're subscribed wherever you watch or listen especially the youtube channel i appreciate all your support for our guests and the show Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon.